Well, again, we're, uh, we are continuing with our topic, uh, which is doing life with God. And uh, what, a, what an important truth that is. You know, being married to an Italian, as I am, uh, I understand what it means when dolce vita is mentioned. Anyone heard dolce vita? Who, who, who would say they know, uh, they have heard of the word dolce vita? Oh, good. A little bit of education. There's about three hands going up. I understand the term. Um, and uh, it's, it's what Italians call the sweet life. They call it the sweet life, you know. The, the, and for me, the, when Rosemary talks about Dolce Vita, I see her thinking about being in Italy and, you know, just among Italians. And they use this term Dolce Vita because it speaks of the sweet life. I don't know, maybe the Filipino community among us have a, uh, a term that talks something similar. But for me, this is what it conjures up. This is what the picture I get um, is it, it, it's some hillside village in the Adelphi coast, you know, that looks down uh, uh, upon the ocean. And, uh, and having had the traditional siesta, little afternoon nap, walking down the street arm in arm with your loved one, uh, temperature is about 21 degrees. I like 21 degrees, by the way. Um, arm in arm with your darling spouse and uh, uh, with the street shops who they all go into siesta. Street shops slowly opening, uh, preparing for the evening trade, and uh, no one's in a hurry, but just the shops starting to reopen and stopping to buy an ice cream um, without having to think about the price. <laughs> uh, because you're blessed. And of course, just being in a position to do the same thing again tomorrow. To me, that's Dolce Vita, you know, and, um, and when Rosemary, Rosemary would call that the sweet life. And... Um, and uh, Rosemary grew up with a, a terminology that they uh, would use uh, in their family when they went, whenever they went out in, you know, into the street or anything. And it was a Greek, uh, as a Greek word, it was an Italian word, crepilalavizia, crepilalavizia. And that was the term that they would use when they were just going, let's just buy ice creams. And they go out and buy ice creams and the whole family get an ice cream. And they use the word um, crepilalavizia because it meant deaf to stinginess. <laughs> and they would actually confess it out over their, over their lives, death to stinginess. But, you know, what, what I've seen, um, certainly among uh, the Italian family that I've, you know, grown to love and know uh, by being married to Rosemary is a very, very generous people. Very, very generous. They go out of their way uh, to look after their family and to be generous to their family and look for opportunities to give and, and, uh, and be a blessing. And, you know, I think we can learn something from the Italians. You know, I don't know if you, you, maybe you know an Italian who's not like that. But I tell you what, generosity is such an important thing. But Dolce Vita, when Christians talk about the blessed life, I believe generosity needs to be a part of it as well. Death to stinginess. We should make it a, we should make it a, uh, uh, put it up on the wall somewhere, you know. For death, crepilatavizia, you know. Death to stinginess. And um, what we need to see is that the blessed life is the one that you choose. That's really where our message has been about doing life with God. It's the life that you choose and uh, you do need to choose it. My testimony about the door, the door, uh, the, the, like as in the movie The Matrix last week, that was exactly uh, me making that choice to live that blessed life, to live according to God's will and purposes for my life. And it was like going through a door uh, uh, further to my Christian life, 
further to receiving my salvation, receiving eternal life, uh, and making Jesus Lord of my life. It was further to that, but I had to make that decision. And uh, you'll find in your Christian life that some of you haven't quite made that commitment, that what was uh, described, I think, by one preacher as the quality decision to live according to God's word, to live according to his will and purpose for your life, the quality decision. And a quality decision is a decision you make that you'll not turn back on. And once you've made it, that's it. You've made it. You're never going back to the old way of living. And I know I made that decision. And, and I encourage you, if you haven't done that and made that decision to live according to God's will and purposes, uh, choosing to live according to his word, that's still before you. There's a commitment that needs to be made between you and the Lord. And when you do, it's like stepping through into the blessed life. I call it the blessed life. And um, our words will pave the way. Understand that. Our words will pave the way. Deuteronomy, we've read this and I'm going to read it again because it talks about choosing life. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19 to 20, it says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. We have to see it's not chosen for us. It's not automatic. I found that after my I came into Christianity after I made Jesus Lord of my life, I had to make that further decision to live for him. There was that additional, you know, laying my life down so that I could live for him. There was an extra additional requirement. It says this, Therefore choose life so that you and your descendants may live and that you may love the Lord your God, obey him and hold fast to him. For he is your life. That's just something that some of us need to get a hold of. We talk about our life when actually he is our life. And he will prolong your life in the land the Lord swore to give you to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And we tap into something that actually reaches and extends out over our family, our children's children. And it's a blessing. It's the life of blessing. And we are the ones that have to choose that. We first come into the new life that is in Jesus Christ by choosing new life, by saying, I want what Jesus wants, you know, has for me. Redemption, you know, forgiveness of sin. We come to that and we receive that. We make a confession with our mouth. We believe in our heart the Lord Jesus and believe that God raised you from the dead. We make a public confession of that and that's the prayer of salvation. Epsi talked about that prayer of salvation earlier on. And, uh, and leading uh, that dear lady to the place of transformation. Transformation can occur from that point in her life. And it's good news. And we ought to be excited about it. The Bible says the angels of heaven rejoice over every sinner who repents. Amen? And, uh, you know, we get in on that. We, we, we say, yeah, exciting to see people's lives changing. We start the life of faith with a confession. Okay, it's a confession. I think, Rach, you mentioned confession speaking the word, you know, during communion. And that word confession is a, a Greek word, homologio, which means to say the same word as, to say the same word. And, uh, and of course, not only do we find that that's how we come into salvation, how we come into the kingdom of God through, through our faith, that is believing in our heart, confessing with our mouth, saying the same word as, but we find that that's how we live our Christian life thereafter. That it's not just all designed for us and this is going to happen. This is going to, we can 
actually start receiving the blessed life as we learn their lifestyle of believing with our heart and confessing with our mouth. Saying what God says, obeying what God says, praying uh, what God says, and actually speaking his word into existence in your life. Jesus made it clear over in John 10.10, 10, and we, we saw this, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes with a destructive intent. The thief. Who's the thief? Satan, the devil. Uh, Paul even described him in, the, in uh, uh, Corinthians as being the, the uh, ruler of this world. How's that? Because he has a destructive intent. We have to be a people of the word if we're going to get around that. You know, uh, I heard someone say, speaking of Goliath and, uh, and how a formidable enemy he was to, to a young David. And David knew that he just had to do the word. But I heard one preacher say, never run at your giant with your mouth shut. In other words, you're going to have to be speaking what, you know, the word of God in you. That's just exactly what David did. He ran at his giant and he had the word of God in his mouth. What's the word of God in your mouth? You know, we can be fairly conservative and quiet here in Australia, but we have to become a people that are daring enough to speak what God says in the midst of difficulty, to know the promises of God that will actually bring us over and through our difficulties. The thief comes with a destructive intent. Actually, he's out to get you to say the wrong thing because he'll work with your words. He'll work with what you're saying. And the worst thing occurs when you do is you agree with him. You're aligned with him when you do, with your words. And that's how he can bring destruction. That's what gives him access. And he's been doing it since the Garden of Eden. Him and his cohorts, the principalities, the powers, the spiritual wickedness in heavenly places are all working with words that are said that are wrong. It's interesting, isn't it? And you know, when you start getting down to the truths that actually uh, um, uh, determine the blessed life, we find is actually us choosing it with words, choosing the blessed life, and of course, breaking free of what the enemy wants to bring, the destruction he'd like to bring. And, and we'll work through, uh, you know, I should say, and, and what I've found is, is that he will work through those who are carnally motivated. He will work through those that are carnally motivated, who are loose with their words, often looking to bring destruction in that way. John 10.10, 10. we'll read it, because it's a good verse. Well, John 10.10, 10, it says, A thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come that they may have life and that they ha might have it more abundantly. He wants us to have his blessed life. He wants us to live that way. But we have to get involved with our mouths, with our confession, and say what he's saying. We have to agree with his word. And when we do, watch what happens. He'll bring change. He'll bring the transformation that we so often desire and want. Our ongoing choice of the God kind of life has everything to do with what we do with our tongue. Everything to do with what we do with our tongue. What you are saying. Watching what you're doing with your words daily. So important. And we'll see the words of our mouth have direct connection to what we meditate on. What do you think on? You see. We've, we have a pattern of behaviour sometimes to think on things that we shouldn't think on. 
and they get down into our heart. And the Bible says that the, the mouth speaks from the abundance of the heart. That's right. And we start to say things that we ought not. Start to say things that uh, are, are actually causing us to stumble and giving the enemy access. Because that's what we're saying. You know, instead of saying what God says, we're saying what the enemy says. What a fruitless activity that is. And giving him access, letting him in to places where he shouldn't be. What do you find yourself thinking on daily? Is it lack? Is it envy? Is it jealousy? Be careful because you'll end up speaking it in one way or another. And the scripture says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Proverbs 18, Proverbs 18, verse 20. This is a great scripture to get a hold of. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Who has the power of your tongue? We do. Amen. We have the power of our tongue. You control what you say. And I've said it often enough from this pulpit, is the first thing I learned when I started to sit under good Bible-based teaching was that the destruction that was occurring in my life. And I did. I, I was saved. You know, I was a child of God. But there was stuff going on in my life that I can, I can honestly say it was my fault. I couldn't say, oh, God, why are you doing this to me? It was because of the things I was saying. It was because of the things I was doing, you see. Don't be mocked, the Bible says. Whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. And we do our sowing with our mouths with our words and, um, and what we declare. And, you know, and as we've seen in, in 1 Peter 3.10, oh, I'll have to get past there. There we go. 1 Peter 3.10, verse 12, it says, For he who would love life, we're talking about the blessed life, he who would love life and see good days. And I could go through the room and do a survey right now. There's not a single person in this room who would say, oh, I don't want good days. I'm not believing for good days. There's not a single person who would, who, who would say that's what they would desire for their life, is bad days. No, I'm here for the bad days. No, you're not. You're here for the good days too. But it's how we achieve it as, as believers. We, we can achieve it in a way that brings glory to God because we've done his word, we've put his promises into action and we've seen fruit and results from it. For he who would love life, that should be all of us, Amen. And see good days. We want that as well. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let's just have a little word study on that word deceit. This is this, verse 11. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. And I want us to see that that word deceit is a Greek word dolos. It properly means bait. Okay? And figuratively, deceit trickery used to abate, to allure and hook people, especially those already festering in excessive emotional pain brought on by themselves. Wow. And it, and it gives the understanding here that we should never be caught speaking such words, deceitful words, deceitful speech that would cause someone else to stumble, someone else to, you know, fall down and, 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 and be rocked in their walk. We should never be found saying that or doing that. And it says this, let him seek peace. Now, I love talking about sons and daughters. But, you know, 
what is this? Is blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? The children of God, the sons and daughters of God, the peacemakers, those that make peace. Pray peace into your life. Pray God's peace into your life. You know, whenever, you've, whenever you find the opposite going on, make sure you're the person that, that just goes to God and says, Lord, I'm, I'm going to see peace here. I'm going to see change here. I'm going to see adjustment here. Amen? The remedy is straight out of the Bible, but it requires some self-correction, some honesty uh, with yourself, and, of course, the man in the mirror, you know, the person that you see first, first thing in the morning when you look in that mirror. Speak the word. Psalm 19. Let's just look at that. It says in verse 12, Who can discern his own errors? Cleanse me from hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed of great transgression. Then he says that great verse that we know, verse 14, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Because the mouth is going to speak out of the abundance of the heart. Be that person. Be that people that choose that. He that will love life and see good days need to make good use of their tongue. And of course some here today need to determine that their life is going to be marked by words that bring life and not death. Some need to determine that today. Words that bring peace and not division. You see. Well, there's a lot to say. There's a lot, a lot of different ways that we could go. But uh, Psalm 141. We'll let the word do the talking. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard over my mouth. You know, the thing that I had to learn to do as a new believer when I started to realise that I was my biggest problem was I had to uh, begin to lean on the Lord to help me, to show me how it was that I could change what I was speaking, what I was believing. My old pattern of life had to go away and I needed to speak new life. And that came from the Word of God. It says, keep watch over the door of my lips do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. Amen. It's a prayer for help from the Holy Spirit. And only you can pray. I, you, you can, I, can, I can pray with you, but only you can decide that you want that help from the Holy Spirit to let me know if, if I'm about to go wrong with my words. And that's what I've found, that the more you lean on the Lord for that, the more you see him doing that. Where, you know, when you're even about to say the wrong thing, and we all do it, so don't be sitting there looking all holy, all right? We, we've all done it. We've all do it. Where we start to think about something to say, and we know it's wrong, and the Holy Spirit starts to go, uh-oh, don't say that. You know, the Holy Spirit gives you a little nudge. Don't say that. And, you know, that's that alarm starting to go off. And, of course, if you do say it, ooh, grieving, you know, that grieving sense in your spirit that you just grieve the Holy Spirit. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, when you let words out that you're not supposed to let out. Whew. 
I don't know about you, but I really want to get away from that quickly, quickly find a, a place where I can just say, Lord, just forgive me for that. I, I know I said that. I shouldn't say that. Forgive me, wash me, cleanse me right now in Jesus' name. And we could all do it. Amen. Church, the way we receive God's promises is choosing his life through his word. Choosing the blessed life through his word because his promises are our pathway into the blessed life. Amen. You know, it's choosing his life through his word and denying ourselves any opportunity to be carnal in action, word or deed. Denying ourselves that. You know what happened? This is what I, I'll be real honest with you now. It's okay. I'm always honest with you, but I'm going to be real honest with you now. Okay? I'm going to go far above and beyond the call of duty this morning. And just say this, okay, it gets better. If, you've, if you're in a place now where you say, look, I, I so struggle with sin. I so struggle with doing, sometimes I do the wrong thing and I so struggle with that. And does it ever get any better? I can tell you it gets better. I want to tell you it gets better. You know, that you, your Christian life is not the sum total of your struggle with sin. Your Christian life gets much better than that. And remember, the truth is, you want to really get down to it. The, the sin that we struggle with the most is the one that you love the most. Isn't that right? And of course the answer then is, is that if you've got sin that you struggle with, choose to not love it anymore. Go to war with it. Go toe-to-toe with it. I'm not having that anymore in Jesus' name. Get fierce about it. Like it's an enemy in your life because it's robbing you of blessing the Lord would otherwise be able to bring. But because you still keep going back. And repentance, remember repentance is a 180 degree turn. So that's how you do it. You say, no, I'm not going that way anymore. Get really serious about it. Now, whatever that sin might be, it's just, you know, we won't go into detail, but whatever that sin might be. For men, it's looking at things maybe you shouldn't look at. You know, for women having a, a, a thought you know, about a friend that you shouldn't have, you know, maybe wanting to run their race or something like that. You know, let's, let's just be honest and truthful and say that the way you get out of it, repentance, is a 180 degree turn and say, and a commitment to God, and it doesn't matter how many times you have to say it, keep at it. Lord, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm not going to live that way anymore because I know there's no blessing in it. And I want your blessed life. I want to walk in that. And it does get better. Amen? It does get better. The way we receive God's promises is choosing his life through his word and denying ourselves any opportunity to be carnal in action, word or deed. That's the God kind of life. A life that has at its foundation the word and his spirit. The seventh chapter, I'm going to finish on this. The seventh chapter of Matthew starts with a strong word from Jesus and, not, and, and it speaks of not judging one another. That's what Matthew chapter seven starts with. And Jesus goes on to explain that before we could ever expect to minister to others, and he uses the, the analogy, and it's that ridiculous to think that this could happen, but about taking the speck out of someone else's eye when you've got a great big log sticking in your eye. You know, so, so it's such a, such a good analogy. 
He says, he says this, remove the plank that's in your eye before you try and remove the speck in someone else's eye. In other words, don't be looking at what everybody else is doing. We've all got to run our own race. You know, you could look at others and see, see them as not worthy, not able, not capable. You can do all of those things and forget that there's a great big log in your own eye. Work on the log and then you'll be able to help someone else with the speck that's in their eye. And Jesus finishes the chapter with a big encouragement to be doers of the word, doers of the word of God and not just hearers. Doing of the word being the activity of not just hearing the word, but putting it into practice in your life. Not just being a hearer of it, but actually making an application. I mean, you, you know, we can preach from week to week, but it's the person that goes home and says, you know what, I'm going to do that. It's the person that goes home and says, I'm going to start reading the word like there's truth in there that I need actually activated in my life. I'm going to treat it like a promise that I need to receive and I'm going to start speaking it and saying it and, and, evening, uh, noon and, and, and uh, e evening, noon and morning will I cry and pray aloud and God will hear my voice. It's that person. Amen? Saying it and praying it with authority and with confidence. And um, Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to finish on uh, Matthew chapter 7, just these verses. Says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, this is where we become doers of the word, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. What's the rock? The word of God. The word of God. Look what it says in verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. The difference between these two people, rock man built on the rock, sand man built on the sand. Though one thing that was common to them both was that they were both builders, or two things, they were both builders, number two, and they're responsible for their building. And the second thing was that the storm came to them both. Amen? The storm came to them both. Both of them experienced a storm. Just because you're a doer of the word, it doesn't mean the storm doesn't come. But look what it says. It says that your house will stand. That blessing um, that we've come to know and understand is a is um, as, as the, the, the blessed life um, uh, is something that will stand and see you through. I don't know about you, but I'm committed. You know, I, don't, I don't know how you feel about the blessed life, but I've, I've decided I want that because I don't want anything else. And I've found through my life so far that when you commit to it, God commits to you. you know, and you see his faithfulness again and again. Even in difficult circumstances, the storms come, even in those difficult circumstances, you'll see him come through for you. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to get you to stand just now. So I'm going to, just going to, uh, we won't go out with a song today, I don't think. I'm not sure that we will. But, but I'm just going to invite Carrie to come. She's going to talk about some ministry work that uh, her and Youth with a Mission have been doing uh, uh, out into the Kimberley region. But just before we do, let's just pray and ask a blessing on that word today. Father, we again just thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be about the business of your kingdom, Lord. Father, seeing people saved, seeing people come to you, come to you as a source of life, Father. 
Lord, we thank you also for uh, the word that we've just received. Lord God, we commit to be doers of your word today and not just be hearers, but actual doers. Putting your word into practice, standing upon the promises of your word and seeing them come to pass. Glorifying your name as we see the blessed life unfold uh, uh, for us, Lord. Lord, we give you all the glory, all the praise, and we choose to be doers of your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.